This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. What cars do their drivers like most? We'll have the answers for you in our in-depth look at the J.D. Power 2022 Appeal Study that's coming up. Chevy has just introduced an all-new Blazer EV that promises to be blazing fast. We were there for the unveiling. We'll tell you about it. Uh, Honda has unleashed the Civic Type R. They've given us some information about it, so we'll share that with you. There's some information they didn't share, and we'll share what they didn't share, too. Uh, America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash autoinsurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash autoinsurance. I'm Jack Nerad. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars. What has your week been like? It seems like you've had a tough week, Chris. I mean, uh, let us know about that. Maybe we can help. Yeah, well, so the listeners are going to think that I have just amazingly awful life but uh so my wife had a cat when we first met uh, about 12 years ago uh the cat was already eight years old and then last week the cat passed away so almost 20 years old but unbeknownst to me i guess slightly beknownst to me my wife went to the shelter on saturday and picked up a couple of uh kittens and they're currently chewing on my feet i'm not going to adjust the camera so you can see everything else in here but uh we're back to a full household of of pets here. Uh, otherwise, it's been a very nice Maine summer week. How about you guys? A uh, very pleasant week. My uh, middle daughter was visiting from uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. I think I'm wearing a Fort Worth t-shirt here to commemorate her visit. She's headed home today, but uh, it was great having her with us. You know, I have three daughters and two of them live in Texas. One lives here in California, is going to school actually. So it's been very, very pleasant. Let's get back to what we talk about here and it's cars. Uh, what vehicle are you going to be talking about this week? Yeah. So a few weeks ago, I talked about the GMC Sierra 1500 Limited and I drove it. It was the sort of intermediate model between the 2021 and full-blown 2022 models. This week, I'm actually driving the full-blown 2022 model. It's the uh, 1500 Sierra 1500 AT4X. I got a chance to drive a very exciting car, too. The 2023 Genesis GV60. This is the first dedicated electric vehicle from the Genesis luxury brand. It's filled with wild features, a facial recognition among them. So we'll talk about that. We have a terrific interview for you as well. Before we do that, we'll bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jackie Redden. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jackie Red with you. We're so glad you're with us. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. And it is news time. And I think we've got some pretty fascinating news for you. Um, we always like to talk about uh, vehicles that we like. We're emotional about cars. We uh, get involved with cars. I think a lot of people listening to the show probably uh, feel the same way about it. And J.D. Power goes out and measures that. They have a study they call the Appeal Study. It stands for the Automotive Performance Execution and Layout Study. But it really is designed to um, gauge emotional appeal of these vehicles. And we've got chapter and verse on that, what people really love and, and what they don't love so much. Top line stuff is cars got less appealing this year. <laughs> and I think that's kind of funny, but they got less appealing, I think, because 
gas prices shot up as they were doing this uh, this study and really that kind of tainted everybody's feelings about their cars. They were kind of looking at their fuel economy and going, well, that's not as good as I had hoped it would be. What do you, how do you feel about that, Chris? Are you tainted by fuel economy <laughs> and, and lack thereof? Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, I, I mean, you and I both and all of our colleagues have a unique perspective on the industry, but I can see the normal buyer. You know, I bought a, a car that should get X mpgs on the highway and i'm driving it i'm getting x mpgs on the highway but when i pull off i'm paying you know 50 percent more for fuel or 25 percent more whatever the case might be that's going to hurt a little bit even if the even if the fuel economy ratings are what they're promised to be i think this is something that automakers suffer from you know maybe uh unintentionally or, or without anything they've done yeah really i mean what can you do about it it is what it is and you know it's kind of like the face you're born with you, you only so much you can do with it right uh, yeah, nice to uh, have a nice face there. There are some interesting uh, findings in this survey. I think a lot of interesting findings in this study. One is that the Kia EV6 and the Mercedes-Benz EQS are two battery electric vehicles that top their segments. So that's very good. And they don't separate out battery electrics from others. So uh, that was interesting. But the vast majority of the segment leaders were not battery electrics. Uh, Jeep did really well, the Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. I guess they're not precisely Jeeps even, but uh, you know, I think Jeep will take them in this instance. The Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer uh, topped their segments. Uh, the Kia Carnival uh, was an, a new vehicle that topped its segment. And the Hyundai Santa Cruz midsize pickup truck scored well, so that was good. Uh, again, this is about uh, measuring owners' emotional attachment with their vehicles. Uh, one thing we talked about last year, and we can talk a bit about it again, is that Dodge uh, topped the list among mass market brands. I mean, people are emotional about their Dodges. They love their Dodge vehicles. When they own them, uh, they love them. And you're shaking your head, but uh, there's good reasons for that, right? I think it's hilarious. You know, I mean, think about the vehicles that Dodge makes. You got the Dodge Charger, the Dodge Challenger. People that buy those cars, they're buying those on an emotional, like that is an emotional purchase to begin with. You know, these are people who could buy a Corvette, maybe buy a Mustang uh, or, a, or a Camaro for that matter, I guess. But they've chosen these cars and so they're they're doing very well. But also, I think this speaks to the age of those platforms, right? So uh, the Charger, the Challenger, they're, they've been around for a while in their in their current form. So Dodge has had time to, or Stellantis now has had time to iron out those the wrinkles. Yeah, and uh, I think the wrinkles don't matter as much in this study as they do in some of the other studies that J.D. Power does. Because this is really about, do I like this thing or not? I mean, that's what it gets down to. And the premium brand winner is Porsche. So, I mean, you go... Dodge, Porsche, I mean, what connects them? But what connects them, I think, is the uh, visceral appeal that those vehicles have and what they bring to uh, their owners. Uh, those owners are excited about having, they're excited about having a Dodge Challenger as much as you're excited about, as the Porsche owner is excited about having a 911, maybe even more so. Yeah, those nameplates matter to people. You know, I bought a 200,000 mile Porsche Cayenne and I was super proud of it. The nameplate matters. Uh, right. So I can see that. Right. Here's another thing that I thought was really interesting, and it's electrified vehicles are not as appealing as conventional vehicles. People are not as emotionally attached to them, which is, is not necessarily intuitive to me because I think a lot of people who are buying electric vehicles now 
boy, that's what they want. That represents them. You know, that is something that they really have some emotional attachment to. But hybrid vehicles, plug-in hybrid vehicles, and battery electric vehicles had less or lower appeal scores than uh, conventional gasoline-powered vehicles. Of course, they leave Tesla out of the EV rating because Tesla so dominates uh, the EV market. There are so many Teslas out there that they really wouldn't be scoring anything but Tesla if they left it in, in the study per se. So this, Tesla had the highest score among all automakers. It's not eligible for an award for some technical reasons that uh, J.D. Power has, but uh, I think uh, interesting stuff that Tesla ranks so high in emotional appeal and at the same time, not so great in product quality. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, a tough one to approach. Uh, you know, I think if you look back at the last person riding a horse, they were pretty, probably pretty dedicated to riding a horse before the gasoline car came along. But the the people that are adopting EVs are very passionate about them, especially Tesla buyers uh, for one reason or another. I'm not going to speculate, yeah. uh, but I think they have the sort of cult of following that automakers would love to have these days. Uh, so good for them in that regard. I think it is maybe mixed bag for what that means for the rest of the market in terms of how people are enthusiastic about their Teslas. Yeah, yeah, it will be interesting going forward. Well, here is a challenger to Tesla, or uh, you could consider it that, and that's Chevrolet, oddly. But I was there for the launch of the 2024 Blazer EV. They did kind of a dog and pony show uh, here in Southern California, in Los Angeles. I think they wanted to uh, give that panache of California to the intro. And maybe a, a lot of executives wanted to come to California. I don't know. It's a perfect time to come to California where it's not 90 degrees uh, as it is in so many places around the country. But they they did the launch of the Blazer EV. Interesting stuff here, I think, including the SS Performance model that just has kind of mind-blowing uh, credentials to it. Uh, this is built on the GM Ultium platform. We have interviewed Ultium people on the show about this, but the performance model is just, just kind of nuts. What's also interesting to me is this will be available in front drive, rear drive, and all-wheel drive. So that's a Usually it's front drive and all-wheel drive or rear drive and all-wheel drive, but you don't get all three. So that I found that uh, fascinating. What do you think about this Blazer EV? Where, where do you think this is going? You know, when I was growing up, I used to bemoan General Motors and Ford for their like super specific options packages. Like you could order like the one, or we talk about it now, the one LT package for your Camaro or your SS package or whatever. Uh, but now we're looking at this EV landscape right and it's so much easier to do a, as long as your platform supports it front drive rear drive all-wheel drive i love it i love the flexibility i love the ability to choose oh, well maybe i only need front wheel drive or maybe i'd like rear and all-wheel drive uh so i think it's i mean it's an awesome prospect for buyers as long as the price doesn't extend too far beyond where we are right now yeah and i wish i had more information about price to share but uh, i think they're going to be expensive and certainly this SS version with 557 horsepower, 648 pound-feet of torque. It has the wide-open watts mode, the wow mode. It will go from 0 to 60 in less than 4 seconds. That's one quick crossover. I mean, do we need a, a crossover that quick? I, I don't know, but uh, you know, maybe some people will want them. We just talked about this briefly a moment ago. Like, How many, how many more electric crossovers or crossovers, period, does the world really need. I mean, I guess as long as people are buying them, automakers are going to make them. And if it's as easy as slapping in a couple of extra motors 
onto your platform to make it go much faster. I don't, I don't know that that's going to change for automakers, at least from a financial perspective. I mean, that's what's interesting about these electrics, right? When they have these roller skates like the Ultium platform, you know, this erector set, and you can just, you know, keep adding parts and keep adding more parts, and it gets cooler and cooler and cooler, or you can subtract if you want it to be less expensive. One thing I, I do want to talk about, though, before we go out of this segment, and that is the 2023 Honda Civic Type R, which was also introduced in the last week or so. Pretty cool car, but there was one pet, bit of information I really would have uh, liked to have had that I didn't get, and I don't know that anybody has, and that's the horsepower number. I think that's you know fairly critical when you're introducing a performance car. We, I'm sure the Type R will be cool, but I'd sure like to know what uh, kind of horsepower it was going to offer. Yeah, they've not only got to blow out the Civic Si in terms of horsepower, but now they have the Acura Integra that they have to, well, they've pitched and now have to contend with in terms of horsepower. So uh, what do you think? 320, 340? It's got to be more than 300. Yeah, I think it's got to be more than 300, but I'm just not sure. And I, I really <laughs> love to have that information. That That is for certain. Well, when we come back, we will be road testing some vehicles. And we do know the horsepower of the vehicles we will be road testing. And that's the uh, GMC Sierra in uh, AT4 trim, AT4X, I guess, trim. And I was driving the Genesis GV60. So stay with us for that with Chris Teague. This is Jack Red with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Red with you. And it is road test time. We got cool vehicles. We have cool vehicles for you right now. Uh, the GMC Sierra pickup truck in AT4X form, driven by one Chris Teague, and, and I was driving the Genesis GV60. But let's start by talking about the Sierra, Chris. Uh, pretty cool vehicle, I think. Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, Jack, you know Chevy and GMC did a, a little bit of an odd thing for this year, is that they you know updated their previous generation trucks and or certain models of their previous generation trucks and then waited to introduce the full-on 2022 update for these vehicles. But I got to tell you, the Sierra 1500 lives up to the luxurious billing over the Silverado 1500. I think that's the difference between this truck and the uh, Silverado 1500 Trail Boss that I drove uh, around about this time last year uh, is night and day. Granted, they're, they're two different generations, but same platform, same a lot of other things. So I think there's a, a reasonable comparison here. But GMC starts the uh, 2022, it's got a tongue twister, 1500 uh, at around $36,000. Uh, the ATX AT4X trim, geez, this is a tongue twister altogether, uh, starts at around $79,000, Jack. And I want to get your opinion on this. Is That is firmly in luxury vehicle territory for a, a pickup truck. And that's before you add any of the multiple options that GMC offers. What do you think about full-size pickup trucks, I guess, and pricing in general, uh, given how how they're going? I, I'm just blown away by the prices that these vehicles are commanding. And I, I don't understand who could afford these, really, or who decides that they're going to spend eighty or ninety or $100,000 on a pickup truck. But heaven knows people are, and they're not building these things because they want them to sit there, and they don't sit there, right? They they go right out the door. So maybe a lot of people have uh, much higher incomes than I do or want to spend a higher percentage of their income on transportation than I'm willing to do. That's for certain. But uh, 
I think uh, it, it's kind of a mind blower to see, uh, you know, base price of around $80,000 for a pickup truck. Yeah, 80 grand. I mean, granted. All right, so let's take a step back. You get a 6.2 liter V8. You get 420 horsepower, 460 pound feet of torque. You get a 10 speed automatic transmission. The powertrain jack is spectacular. I mean, the transmission shifts smoothly. The engine sounds great. The truck has plenty of power. That's never stumbling for a gear. It's never looking for, for its way on the road. Uh, and this truck has presence. So the AT4X kit features a factory lift kit. Uh, it's got all-terrain tires, 17-inch. I think they're 17-inch wheels. I'd have to confirm that, but let's just roll with that for now. Uh, standard four-wheel drive and everything you'd, you'd possibly need on the outside for a pickup truck. There's skid plates for the underbody. Again, we talk about this frequently, and I feel embarrassed to admit it, but you know, I didn't have time to take this truck out into the woods and bash it onto some rocks, but I have no no qualms saying that I think that it would do just fine doing that if that were your everyday activity. But uh, inside, so you look at this truck outside, Jack, and you think about it, you think rugged, you think I'm going to go off-road, I'm going to get this thing dirty, and then you open the door and you're you're greeted with black leather with white piping, heated and ventilated seats, a 13.4-inch diagonal uh, infotainment screen. This is the new GMC or GM, I should say, infotainment screen. It's got Google built in. Uh, it's like stepping into almost a Cadillac, uh, for for that matter. There's no <laughs> – the luxury here is completely at odds with the outside of the vehicle. It's, it's such a, an amazing juxtaposition. But uh, as I mentioned, so you've got a leather upholstery, heated and ventilated seats, contrasted steep seat piping. So your seats, at least in this truck, were black with white piping, a gigantic 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, both offered wirelessly. There's wireless charging here. All these are options, at least in terms of the safety features, but blind spot monitoring, rear cross-traffic alert, uh, got adaptive cruise control, and, and so on. And so all these things are mixed into this, this really rugged pickup truck that makes you feel like you can tackle the world. But like I said, once you get inside, it's a pretty quiet, very luxurious situation, which I think is what most full-size or all full-size pickup truck makers are going for with these top-end trucks. What do you think about that? Uh, and do you think you could live with one day-to-day, Jack? I think I probably could. And uh, these have become really kind of the luxury cars of this decade, right? I mean, they are priced like luxury vehicles. Uh, they're super comfortable most often. Maybe the AT4 version, not quite as comfortable as, as some of the other versions of that same pickup truck. But these full-size pickup trucks, separate body and frame, that kind that gives some isolation to the body that a unibody vehicle doesn't have. So they're pretty comfortable vehicles. They're tuned well. And as you say, they're beautifully equipped inside. So I think um, it's something I probably could live with. And I know my my wife would dearly love to have a full-size pickup truck. Yeah, scrape up 80 grand and it's all yours. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I don't have a kid to sell, so I... <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I have know. two. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think, yeah you're not going to sell them, though. They're too precious for certain. Well, I was driving a vehicle that is kind of a head-scratcher in a lot of ways, too, uh, from the price point of view, because this is a, a marvelous vehicle, really an interesting vehicle, the Genesis GV60 from the 2023 model, their first dedicated uh, electric vehicle. And uh, there's so much to like about this, and it's so interesting. It has really innovative tech on top of what it would have from the, the Hyundai Kia EV platform, which is also used in the EV6, the, the Kia EV6, and the Hyundai Ionic 5. But they add facial recognition, fingerprint recognition. I had to be kind of fitted for this when, <laughs> when they pulled up so the car would recognize me. 
And then when it recognizes you as you walk by, the uh, door handles stick out. <laughs> it's a little weird, actually. It's kind of a, an odd thing, especially when you see what the door handles look like. Uh, but that's just one of the one of the things about this car that I think is, is fascinating. They decided to really reach out with this car, not in terms of styling. It's, it's you know, very conventionally styled and, and really a beautiful, uh, very well-styled vehicle. But uh, in terms of tech, they had to add stuff, right? Because the EV6 and the Ionic 5 already have a bunch of really interesting stuff. So facial recognition, fingerprint recognition, a, a bunch of different things. It's available in two trims the advanced AWD and the performance AWD. You might intuit that these are all-wheel drive vehicles. The lesser of the models has a not, uh, not as powerful a forward motor as it does a rear motor. The performance all-wheel drive model or AWD model is the one I drove. It has 318 combined horsepower. I'm sorry, 483 combined horsepower in boost mode, 429 horsepower overall because it has two motors with, which are the same. Uh, 160 kilowatt front and rear motor. It has a, a 74, uh, or I'm sorry, a 77 kilowatt hour battery pack. That's standard across all of these vehicles. Rated about 235 miles of range. So as I say, the technology is very similar to that from the, the same roller skate, but the price of our test vehicle was $70,485. So you've got a vehicle about the size of a Honda CRV, about the same interior space, it, certainly, it is finished much more lavishly, absolutely lavishly, than the Honda. But heaven knows, uh, that's a ton of money for, for a vehicle that size. I mean, what's your take on kind of ladling in all these kind of add-ons to a vehicle like this? Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I, I kind of understand why sometimes they want to do these things. They, they increase the appeal. They increase their profit margins or, or whatever. But... 70 grand is a lot to lay out for a compact SUV of any type, as you know, electric or otherwise. You mentioned the CRV, the Toyota RAV4. Could you imagine spending, so back that up to like a, a mainstream brand price, could you imagine spending 55,000 for uh, a CRV or a RAV4? I mean, that's, that's basically what we're looking at here. But at the same time, I guess, you know, early adopters are willing to pay the price and, and that's where we're at right now. But uh, it's an impressive vehicle regardless. It really is, and it, it is beautifully finished inside. I mean, the seats look spectacular. You talked a bit about a, a blue interior in a vehicle you had driven fairly recently. I think maybe it was the Acura MDX. Yeah. And this also had a, a very rich blue interior, uh, Napa leather, just looked you know like a million bucks it wasn't a million bucks i guess it was seventy thousand bucks but uh you know looked terrific the things like facial recognition never got in the way which i'm always fearful when you have tech like that you know now i don't know how you lend the vehicle you know do you lend your face to somebody else so they can drive it uh did it help you though it didn't get in your way but did it help you it didn't necessarily help me but i think if i walked up to it and you know looked at the b pillar and uh in the right way it would unlock the doors and that would be fine and i never used the fingerprint recognition once i got in it i, I don't know i guess i could use that in in lieu of having the key with me i could you know use my fingerprint i think that's kind of bragging points though right i mean when you own one of these things here's here's some cool features i can show my friends or this is the in the showroom stuff that i can wow people with it doesn't really come into play so much when you're using it day to day it's this is a great vehicle that has all the stuff you want it has a great infotainment system 
big infotainment screen, easy to use in the Hyundai Genesis uh, Kia manner. Uh, you know, they're all pretty much the same. One of the things, though, I found this fascinating. With all the tech it has, it doesn't have wireless CarPlay or wireless Android Auto. Those aren't supported for some reason. So I don't understand that. Uh, it did have a, a massive 17-speaker Bang & Olufsen sound system, which offers listening moods. I don't know quite how that works. I just like to hear the music, and I think the mood is of the music, right? But you can listen to things in relaxed, energetic, bright, and warm modes. So, hmm, who knows? <laughs> but in all, all in all, I loved having this vehicle. It was a lot of fun. It's fascinating to have vehicle with all this, this different tech. It does everything as well as or better than the other sister ships, uh, you know, from Hyundai that are EVs. It's a lot of money, but uh, then uh, the uh, the Tesla Model Y is <laughs> a lot of money too. So uh, a lot to like about it. Reasonable amount of range. I wish the range was a little higher, but uh, overall, I think certainly this is a vehicle to look at uh, if you're looking for a luxury EV. It'll get you a lot of attention, and I think. You'll enjoy being inside it every day. It'll, you'll enjoy that very, very much. And from what I've seen, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Well, I hope you get a chance to drive one soon. Uh, when we come back, we will have a very special couple of guests for you. Brian Kursar is Group Vice President of Digital Technology at Toyota. And also, we'll be interviewing Simon Roberts, who is a managing engineer there at uh, Toyota Connected North America. So stay with us for that. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Nierad with you, and we are in the headquarters of Toyota. Really exciting week for us uh, to learn so much more about what's going on at Toyota, and we have terrific guests for you. Brian Kursar is CTO, which is the Chief Technology Officer of Toyota Connected. Thanks for being with us. And Simon Roberts, who is the Managing Engineer on Cabin Awareness, is also with us. First of all, thanks to both of you for uh, hosting this and, and letting us know more about technology, what Toyota's doing in, in terms of technology. Let's jump in this way. Uh, give our listeners a sense of what Toyota Connected is, because it's probably a new name to them. And I think it's an important thing that Toyota's doing. Thanks, Jack. The, um, Toyota Connected is really the innovation arm of uh, Toyota Motor North America and actually Toyota globally. Toyota Connect North America was established about six years ago, um, really with a focus on differentiating uh, services for uh, Toyota customers, um, providing uh, services using data, um, connected vehicle, as well as um, everything from uh, safety services to convenience services and finally mobility services. It strikes me that uh, kind of unbeknownst to most consumers, there's been uh, a silent war going on about who owns the customer, who should control the technology, who can, who can control the connected part of what they do in their car. I think Toyota has a particular point of view on that. You want to tell us about that? Sure. You know, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, that's why Toyota Connected was established, right, is that, you know, we sell the, or, or TMNA, Toyota Motor North America, sells the vehicles to the customers. And as a result, right, we want to keep that relationship with the customers. So Toyota Connected works, um, you know, hand in hand with Toyota Motor North America to provide those experiences. So, you know, today, for instance, um, the virtual assistant in Toyota vehicles, that's not Alexa, 
That's not Google, right? That's actually our proprietary technology. And it was something that, you know, while many technology companies, you know, have, um, you know, like for instance, I believe um, Amazon has tens of thousands of engineers um, working on that. We had 60 engineers that were able to develop it in-house. Well, and it's interesting too. I th- I think car companies, you know, global car companies are obviously giant companies, and then you have the giant tech companies who also kind of want to own that thing or you know play a big part in that. Some other companies are are teaming with, say, Google uh, to put their uh, infotainment systems together. You've decided to go a different direction, and uh, describe to us why that's good for the consumer. Well, you know, I think I mean, you know, it all comes down to how frequently we can make updates to the the vehicle's infotainment uh, system. You know, our 21 multimedia is um, heads and shoulders above what we've ever done before. It's um, a really a true revolutionary step in our ability to provide new types of services, um, you know, things that are engaging to the customer, but ultimately that we don't have to rely on Android Auto or CarPlay to provide those services. So the, the other key piece is that only Toyota can integrate with our electrical system. And that's something that, you know, is, is really kind of, you know, uh, very important to us to maintain, right, the, the safety and security of that system and the integration with in- infotainment. So, you know, I think that um, that really kind of allows us to have uh, key advantages to be able to provide services that the, you know, the technology companies can't. Now, the other thing, though, is that we've made some very strategic integrations with some of the technology companies. So for instance, R21 Multimedia is integrated with um, Google POIs. So these are the same POIs that you get in Google Maps that everyone loves, right? I love it, I use it every day. Um, And we have that available uh, starting with the uh, Tundra and also the NX. I mean, there was some frustration, I think among the automotive press and and certainly among consumers about uh, how, I guess you could say, slow Toyota was to allow integration with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. That's been solved, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, I, I think I, as a consumer, was also frustrated. Um, I, I love Toyota. I've worked at Toyota for many, many years, uh, over 20 years now. And, um, you know, I think that was something where, you know, we had to recognize that, you know, this is what the consumer wants and we wanted to give them options. So one, we wanted to provide the best uh, infotainment experience that we could um, for folks that didn't want to use their phone, didn't want to uh, uh, leverage CarPlay or Android uh, Auto, um, uh, but also those that did, we wanted to make sure that that would be provided to them. Um, and to really, not, not only just to be competitive, but also to make the customer know that we're listening to them. Yeah, and you have put together a system now that uh, is head and shoulders above any Toyota system prior and you know right up there with the best systems. Tell us about the development of that. Well, you know, um, Jack, that was a journey. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't easy. Um, you know, I think that uh, one of the key things that happened is that they provided, um, you know, our organization, Toyota Connected, um, uh, the authority to really kind of make those decisions, um, to really own that customer experience. Um, we we uh, did a lot of feedback testing with our customers. Um, you know, we, uh, we were constantly on these uh, two-week agile sprints, getting that feedback, iterating, and really kind of getting that voice of the customer into the early designs. And it was a multi-year 
um, initiative that uh, you know thankfully has, has been uh, very well received. Um, you know, one of the, the the key things that we did was that you know we, we broke the mold. We did attach an iPad right to you know the uh, the first uh, vehicle right to be able to kind of get that look, that feel, that you know the interactivity. Um, the other thing that we did, which I think was um, you know uh, very uh, I think uh, courageous, is that you know we did a lot of drive tests. Um, you know that um, you know we we really I think looked at during COVID, right, was when we were doing a lot of the testing. And I think that was, you know, it was just the passion of our engineering teams, um, knowing that we were so close to putting out an amazing product. Um, Everyone got behind it. Everyone put in just a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And so we're super excited, you know, and and how people have received it. Yeah, I I think it says really good things about Toyota, that they just didn't keep uh, the same path given the fact that there's a lot of consumer feedback that they want something different, right? So founding this company as an independent, recognizing this and, and looking to the future, I think is, a, is a, says really good things about Toyota, uh, major, <laughs> obviously, a giant global company that's uh, willing to change course and, and willing to cede some control to a North American arm, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's an honor that they've really kind of trusted us with this. And, uh, you know, uh, thankfully, right, knock on wood, it, it all uh, went well. And, and uh, you know, we're now getting additional responsibilities, I think, to continue down that route. Yeah, really exciting. Well, I want to bring Simon into this. Simon Roberts is the uh, managing engineer on cabin awareness. And uh, this is an important issue. This is something we report on all the time and we have been reporting on for years and years and years. And it's the issue of children either being left in cars or finding their way into cars and then some, some often, or not often, but sometimes certainly, uh, tragic things happen. Describe to us what cabin awareness is and what it's designed to prevent. Yeah, so cabin awareness is, is designed uh, conceptually to, to minimize that, that risk and that eventuality, right? We, it came out of a, a hackathon, Brian's idea from 2019 from uh, executive feedback that he'd received the year before on, you know, receiving personal stories of an unfortunately, you know, tragic um, tragedy happening. And what can Toyota and Toyota Connected do using technology to, to you know, alleviate some of this this problem? And uh, the the hackathon Brian came up with, and uh, he teams, you know, 120 different engineers from across uh, across various Toyota companies, uh, Toyota Connected, uh, Europe, Japan, India, uh, North America came together and, and my team uh, looked at the looked at the statistics, looked at the numbers and, you know, and it, it's 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 terribly sad, right? Um, and, you know, at the time I had a, th- a three year old um, and a um, three year old and six year old and I'm like this, this could happen to them. It could happen to anybody. Right, right. Well, and some of it too is, I mean, it's often portrayed as a child left behind, right? But oftentimes it's not necessarily a child left behind. It's a child feeling comfortable in the car and finding his way into the car, his or her way into the car, and then not being able to get out. And that, that's exactly right. I think that the numbers are something like one in four of the, the deaths are, are that instance. Um, and <laughs> Brian shares the story, right, of, you know, you did it when you were, you know, three years old, I think yeah, you said. When I, was, when I was young, I, um, you know, I wandered into a car because I was bored, right? And, uh, and I remember it getting hot as well. And, and uh, luckily, my, you know, my, my parents you know, found me in there and pulled me by the ear and, and uh, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's what kids do. 
Yeah, I mean, it, go, it dates back to, uh, you know, the dawn of cars when I had, you know, was playing with cars as a kid. And we'd play around the car all the time. Yeah, and well, and and, that, and that's why I think this 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 uh, concept is so important because that was one of the key things that existing technology doesn't uh, uh, really um, address, right? So existing technology is a rear seat reminder, but that assumes that you know you're operating the car. Yeah, you might be somewhere else. You might you know be a long way away from the car in this instance. Yeah, parents can be um, you know cooking dinner, or they can be um, you know uh, watching TV, and so. Our concept really kind of looks at, you know, leveraging, you know, uh, millimeter wave radar uh, to d detect the life form and then escalate a number of actions, right? Um, going to the, the contact list of the, the, um, the customer, right? Uh, maybe they've added grandma, the neighbor, um, you know, uh, someone like a caregiver. Um, the next thing it's going to do is it's going to now uh, uh, see if you've integrated with your smartphone smart home so you may be on the couch you may be sleeping upstairs but now your virtual assistant can broadcast through the entire house right you know attention right Toyota Connected has found a lone occupant in the car please check your car and then it continues to escalate to everything from an auditory right a visual perspective right because the reality is is that you know these days right our attention is all over the place right there's so many signals and so when this this occurs, right, um, is 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 generally when someone's attention is not on the child, right, and you know maybe it's it's while yeah. they're driving they miss the uh, off ramp for the um, uh, was it the, the daycare, right, and you know they're in a heated uh, meeting uh, on you know uh, on the phone with their boss, right, and then and they just keep going to work. Um, the the other the other thing is that you know we know that because we are now living in a connected world the opportunities to potentially now escalate and alert more and more people, I think, are, are almost limitless. And, and then finally, right, because we operate a 24-7 um, uh, roadside and emergency um, assistance um, call center that uh, very similar to when you get into a crash, um, you maybe you're, you know, you're knocked out, you're, you're, you know, your car is in a ditch, we send roadside assistance or emergency responders to the vehicle. Um, conceptually, we can do this for right. this as well. Simon, talk to us about the uh, sensing system. I think that's ingenious and uh, a different way than I would have expected to, uh, I'm no engineer, that's for sure, but uh, to do this. Tell us about it. Yeah, we call it uh, micro-movements. So, um, you know, imagine uh, an infant newborn uh, in a car seat with the straps on uh, uh, under a blanket because it's a hot day outside doesn't you know the sun is on them um, you know I, I know when my kids were born uh, I would often you know coming home from the hospital even like you'd look back and they're, they're fast asleep but you know are they moving they don't look like they're moving right and it's it can be scary um, um, but this sensor can detect their respiration rate uh, of, of the children in that moment and you know you mentioned why this system, that's exactly why, right? A camera, you know, there's, there's a few things why we wouldn't want to use a camera in this case, right? There's, there's a, the, the view line of sight. If they put a blanket over, you know, now you can't yeah. see the child. And um, this, this, this single sensor mounted in the, in the headliner can see from the, the, the front uh, footwell in the driver's, driver's seat to the, the trunk space of a Toyota Sienna, for example, a three-row vehicle. Well, I, I wish we had more time to talk about this, but 
Uh, Brian, could you sum up for us how soon we're liable to see this in production vehicles and then anything else you want to tell us? So, so right now we're, we're um, in field tests with May Mobility. Um, so that, that's our autonomous program. Um, we are now evaluating, right, um, uh, you know, when it makes sense to put this out there. You know, I think that, of course, we can't commit to a, a date, um, but, you know, we wouldn't have been uh, showing this, um, you know, if we weren't serious about moving this forward. Brian Kershaw and Simon Roberts, thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it. Interesting stuff. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red with you. And it's listener question time. We've come to the end of the show. How can that be? But uh, time goes fast when you're having fun here. And here is the listener question. This is from Sandy in Westchester, California. This is what Sandy asks. When I drive around, there don't seem to be many cars on car dealers' lots. That's something we've talked about, right? Are car manufacturers going to ramp up production to build more cars, or are we going to be in this situation for a long time? I want to buy a new car. What's happening? I want to buy a new car, too. Come on. Let's figure it out. Uh, you know, I think automakers are really trying to ramp up manufacturing. I don't think that's that's not their, their problem. I think the problem is that they can't get the parts and the people they need to build the vehicles to get them onto dealer's lots. So where five years ago, you might walk onto a Ford dealer's lot and see 30 different F-150s and all colors, shapes, sizes, and configurations. Uh, some of those just don't exist right now because they can't make heated seats or cooled seats or whatever the case might be. Uh, in terms of when you'll, when you'll see this resolve, I mean, we've talked about this a few times. I think it's going to be at least until the end of this year before things start to be more stable but even then you know the, the world isn't getting more stable as it goes so yeah uh, i mean i think you're optimistic by saying by the end of the year because i think this could uh, extend for a while i mean this isn't good for anybody this isn't good for the car manufacturers it's not good for the dealers uh, it's certainly not good for consumers who want to buy cars and frankly there aren't that many uh consumers who really want to buy cars i mean this isn't the, the hottest economy of all time and not the hottest market but when you have only 13 million new cars available in inventory through the year, that's about all you're going to sell. Typically in a, a, um, a very hot market, the U.S. would absorb something like 17, eight, uh, close to 18 million new, new vehicles in a year. We're going to have a, a year of about maybe 14 million if we're lucky. So it's way off what a big year would be, but uh, because there are no vehicles out there, uh, it's very difficult for people to uh, get themselves a bargain. Yeah, it's tough times. Well, I guess that's our show for the week, Chris, and it's always wonderful to speak with you across the country. Uh, one of these days, we'll have to do it in person. Maybe a couple of weeks from now, Jack. In the meantime, thanks, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate all of you guys carrying along with us every week and, and going along for the ride. Uh, if you want to hear more, head to the sportsmapradio.com website. You can find us there on Saturday mornings. Uh, you can find our Apple podcast as well as the, all the other platforms and a radio formatted show as well. Our thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road. Thanks to Chris Teague for being with us and being such a great co-host. And most of all, thanks to you for being with us. We really appreciate you listening to us each week. And join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. 
If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. 